podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Lord Almighty, I feel my temperature rising. Mm-hmm. Football fever is burning through to my soul. Yeah, catch, 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 you're gonna set me on fire. Mm-hmm. My brain is flaming, but I know just where to go. Yeah, the season's kicking off and the bill will be a rocking. And Bosco's when they're talking, purple love, purple love, Bosco's boy. Just a hunk of hunk of purple love. Just a hunk of hunk of purple love. Oh, just a hunk of hunk. Bosco's boys and the boneheads are talking purple love. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for our first whip around show of the season. Uh, We're doing things just a little bit different this year. It'll be coming out on Friday versus Thursday this year. Adding a segment called Cat Chats, which you will hear here, you will hear momentarily uh, with Mason Voth, now of K-State Online, and on three. Uh, Cat Chats is just going to be, hey, me sitting down. Uh, 10 to 15 minutes, maybe a little longer sometimes with someone else. Get an extra uh, set of uh, voices for every Whip Around show. And uh, just add a little bit of flexibility to the show. Still hoping most weeks to get primers from the K-State and opponent perspective. Still hoping to get a voice in to talk about the Big 12 game of the week. And still going to, whether it is me or another voice, talk about what's going on with K-State soccer and volleyball in season as well. Uh, Before we get started, because uh, we had a special show on Tuesday that wasn't planned, I was able to talk to Taylor Bratt of K-State, of course, K-State football. Everyone knows Taylor Bratt, the world-famous Taylor Bratt. Uh, I wasn't able to get my predictions in. I wasn't able to do a prediction show. So it's only fair for me to get the same predictions out there as I uh, made everyone uh, in Blitz Month predict. It's only fair. So this is here are my predictions. Uh, offensive MVP, uh, besides Will Howard, I'm going with Cooper Beebe. Again, I think he might win some awards. I think he's going to be a first-team All-American. I think he's going to be a three-time Offensive Lineman of the Year. I think he will go down as the all-time greatest offensive lineman at K-State. I think that's the type of year we're talking about. I think we're seeing him set himself up for a first-round draft pick as an offensive guard. So I'm going with Cooper Beebe as my offensive MVP, uh, even over Will Howard. But, uh, you know, we, we weren't allowing anyone to pick Will Howard. Uh what do I expect out of Will Howard this year? I, I think he's going to contend for all sorts of K-State records. I think he is going to contend for first-team All-Big 12. If we have the type of season that I think we're going to, I think he could garner some Heisman votes. Um, I, I think he could compete 
for some All-American list. Now, I don't know if it'll be first-team All-American, but I think he he will be making, you know, second or third team. Uh, or he could be making those type of seasons. Now, he could revert back a little bit uh, and still compete for first-team All-Big 12 type stuff. I think, it is, I think he's going to be an All-Big 12 type quarterback, whether it's first, second, or honorable mention. I do think he's going to break some records at K-State. It's just a matter of how high is high. I, I, I really do think we saw so much growth last year, and I have so much confidence in Colin Klein and the offense he's going to call that I think that even the floor of what Will Howard's going to be this year is going to be enough to let K-State have a shot at making it to Arlington. So really excited for Will Howard's uh, season this year. Defensive MVP, uh, so many different names. I'm going with Kobe Savage. I think he's going to lead the team in interception. I think he's going to have some forced fumbles. I think he's going to cause a lot of havoc this year. Coming back from that ACL injury, I think that he is going to have a massive start to the season. I think he's really going to pronounce himself on the regional and national stage as a safety. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, breakout player on offense. Look, if DJ Giddens qualifies, which I've let I, I've let him qualify, I think it's going to be him. I think ultimately he will get more touches than Trayshawn Ward. I think both of them could be picks for this. I think Keegan Johnson could be a pick for this. Um, quietly, I mean, it won't be nearly as big. I like a guy like Garrett Oakley, uh, someone who uh, Wyatt Thompson talked about. I think there's going to be some guys who really come onto the stage, but I think DJ Giddens is going to have a big-time season at K-State. Defensive breakout player, uh, I'm going with Marquis Siegel uh, at safety. Look, I think Will Lee is going to have a big year, but I think Siegel is a guy who is going to have a good enough season. He's going to be anywhere between a fourth and sixth-round draft pick at the end of the season because that's just what K-State seems to do with those safety transfers. Uh, so I'm going with Marquis Siegel, uh, who's going to be starting beside Kobe Savage and VJ Payne. VJ Payne's going to have a massive year as well. Um, true freshman, I've gone all over the place. I, I was leaning towards Asa Newsom, but I, I'm just going to I'm gonna go with Trace Spivey. I, I think that... He is going to play, and he might burn his red shirt. I think by the end of the season, he might be the number four or five wide receiver, and I think he's going to catch a couple touchdowns. I think when it's all said and done, we look at these true freshmen. I think Trey Spivey will be the guy. Uh, the pendulum game, look, I've been saying it's Oklahoma State. It's been a house of horrors for K-State. If you win that one... Um, I think there's a very good chance you are 5-0 before you go to Texas Tech. And that allows that Texas Tech game to be kind of a, you know, a cherry on top of the Sunday type game. You don't have to have it to make it to Arlington. But damn, if you win it, things are looking good. K-State's record. I was leaning towards 10-2. For the longest time all season, but I'm going 11 and one. Look, what fun is it being a fan, having a fan podcast? If you're not going to go all in, I have K State winning every single game except for Texas on the road at Texas. I have K State dropping that one, and then in the Big 12 championship game, I've gone back and forth with this one. I think it is going to end up being K State versus Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma ends up 11 and one as well. 
possible playoff implications for both teams. I don't know um, if the winner will make it, but it will be it'll set records for the most watched Big 12 championship game of all time. And I'm gonna have K State going back to back as Big 12 champions, knocking off Oklahoma. I have Texas losing to Texas Tech and Houston. I have Texas Tech dropping a few games. I only have Oklahoma losing to Texas. Um, so I'm having K-State over Oklahoma in Arlington to go back-to-back in, as Big 12 champions. Who's going to be the first of the newcomers to make it to Arlington? UCF. Who's going to be the first of the PAC schools to make it to Arlington? Utah. So those are my predictions. Let me know where you disagree. Send in your Blitz Month predictions. But before, Hey, before kickoff, it is literally almost here. Before I kick it to my conversation with Mason Voth, of K-State Online and on 3, I'm going to give a shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Folks, if you're listening to this on Friday, go to your lo- local liquor store. And if they have it in stock, you better buy some towny wheat. If they don't, get into town early, grab some from the brewery, get a couple crowlers to go, get some four packs to go. Manhattan Brewing Company Towny Wheat is the tailgate beer of the season. That's not the only great beer. They have Galazzo. They have all sorts of great beers on tap. They have cocktails with bullet bourbon on tap as well. Get into the brewery. Make that your first stop into Manhattan as you're getting in there for game day. And remember, remember, we're starting to hear tons of success stories about this. Let your local liquor store know you want Manhattan Brewing Company four packs in your local liquor store. Ask to talk to the person who stocks the craft beer. Have them get in touch with their distributors and make it happen. All right, now it is time to get to my cat chat with Mason Both of K-State Online. All right, it is the inaugural version of Cat Chats. Uh, folks, I'm pumped to add this to our Friday Whip Around. That way we're getting a little bit more. I'm going to actually talk to folks. I, I know a lot of folks listen to the Whip Around. They're like, finally, less Scott, more other people. Sorry, you're going to have to deal with me in this segment. And to kick things off for Cat Chats for this year, this brand new segment of the Whip Around, it is on three's newest employee. He will be working at the esteemed K-State Online, former great radio talk show host. He is my friend. He is the best book it or cook it player in the world. The man, the myth, the legend, great golfer, great baseball fan, Mason Both. Mason, welcome. Welcome to Bosco's Boys. Welcome to, this is your version of Blitz Month. It's going to be a little bit shorter, but I wanted to wait. I wanted to be able to make sure everyone knew where to find you this football season. So we had to wait a while, but I'm, I'm glad I'm going to get you to go on the record for your predictions. Yep, the chains are broken, uh, ready ready to get going. It's It's been a, a long wait. Uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to DY about this move for, uh, a while now, and it's been finalized for, for quite a bit. I think I made, I think I made up my mind and I, you know, I gave him my, my verbal commitment. Uh, I think the week that we left for Greensboro for the NCAA tournament, I, I, he was already out there and I was getting ready to leave and I called him and I said, all right, I'm in, it's 100% happening. And, uh, we got everything squared away. So I'm excited for it because, 
Um, obviously, you know, that I'm very appreciative for what I got to do at rivals and everything. Um, but maybe if I put this out verbally, DY will uphold his part of the promise here. He has told me that there will be less riding on my plate with this job. I'll get to focus on more of the stuff that I actually like. So that's kind of the the hope there. And uh, I, it's just exciting to be back with those guys. Obviously, I'm really tight with with DY, Drew, and Fan. Um, and so I'm excited to get to work with them and, and try to bring, you know, more ways to, to communicate about the cats to the masses. So I'm excited. And on the golf part real quick, I have not played since um, – it's a while. I think the last weekend in July, because then my daughter was born on August 9th. So well, I was about to say also new father. So, uh, yeah, you know, you know, welcome to the fatherhood club. I'm not in it, at least to the best <laughs> of my knowledge, but I'm sure you're going to be a great dad as well. This isn't a parenting podcast. This is a mm-hmm. K-State sports podcast. Let's just jump into it. Well, I'll ask about Will Howard here in a second, but outside of Will Howard, who would you predict to be the offensive MVP? Well, I mean, the any offensive question this year is really weird because we basically know everybody on the offense. Like, even the guys that are going to be minor role players on the offense, we know who they're going to be. There's not like, oh, this guy's going to come out of nowhere and contribute this season. So my pick is Ben Sennett, just because we saw last year there's obviously an elite connection between him and Will Howard. Some of those touchdown throws that Will had to Sennett in Waco and Morgantown, they just kind of blow your mind because watching them live, you're like, that is a terrible throw. And then you see the right angle and the slow-mo, and you go, oh, no, Will knew what he was doing with that throw, and Ben Sennett was there in position ready to make the grab. And I I just think he is in a position to kind of be that safety blanket. We're going to see, uh, I think, him take, you know, he obviously had a big role at the end of last season, but I think spread out over the course of the year, Plus, he is the one reliable receiving target that Will Howard has. And for K-State to reach their full potential this year, it's on Will Howard. And I think his talent is there, but he's going to need other guys to help him out. And when there's a chance that a couple of the receivers are struggling to start out, Ben Sennett's going to be right there to kind of help pick him up. All right, let's talk about Will Howard. Everyone's excited for him. I think everyone sees the talent there. Uh, You know, your employer is now on three back in, I think, June had him as a Heisman dark horse. Uh, Kellis Robinette said, Hey, it's not out of the realm of possibilities to see him getting votes, maybe even making it to New York. What sort of season are you expecting from Will Howard? Well, I guess I would kind of be in line with that. Like, I I don't think he ends up in New York, but with what I think he accomplishes, he would check boxes that could get him there. And so I've said from early on this summer, my thought in, you know, my bold predictions about the offense or Will Howard is I think Will Howard sets the K-State single season touchdown passes record. And I think there's a chance that he does it with yards. The only thing that concerns me is obviously he doesn't have the caliber of receiver that you might need, or at least to what we think right now. Now there is the chance that I think Keegan Johnson and RJ Garcia get there at some point and they could blow us out of the water, but I'm not going to put that on it, but I do think he probably gets the touchdown record. Um, He would have done it last season if he had played the entire year. And it just seems like in year two of Colin Klein's offense, Colin is ready to be better prepared for what he can do here. So I'm excited to see uh, what Will Howard does this year. I do think he puts up big numbers and last year was the truth. There is still going to be a little part of me every time he drops back to throw like, are we going to see freshman and sophomore Will Howard that was 
bound to be on my Joe Hubner list of quarterbacks that I can't stand. Um, but he's done a great job of repairing his reputation and getting off the Joe Hubner list that I, I think right now Joe Hubner is a, a solo member of. Yeah, I shout out to Joe Hubner wherever he is. Uh, he, I'm sorry just, to him. He's probably a great I'm, guy. I'm sure he he's a great a, guy, but I'm he right catches there. a lot of my strays, and I'm sure he's like somewhere teaching and coaching at like some two-way high school right now. And sometimes he'll hear something that gets said. And I feel bad for him because the dude's just trying to live his life. <laughs> he was doing what he had to do for that 2015 team. But that was just – it was awful. It, it's not his fault, but it was awful. Yeah, you could tell he like his claim to fame was a javelin thrower in high school, not quarterback. Um, <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll move on. Actually, I'll say this about the quarterback room. It is kind of wild that Joe Hubner had to play, and then you had Cody Cook playing, so you had – a walk-on quarterback who shouldn't have been in a football program and a your best wide receiver that year, which wasn't even that great of a wide receiver. And yeah. now you have a former uh, borderline four-star uh, guy who went to Minnesota who is now walking on and is probably your fourth or fifth string quarterback. So, oh, how, how the times have changed. And I'm not going to say anything more because I don't want to get in trouble with some folks. Um, let's move to the defense side ball. Who's going to be the MVP there? Uh, I think it's kind of boring, but I'm going to say Austin Moore because obviously there's a lot to kind of be decided on the defensive line. Like we know who the players are going to be there, but we don't know who's actually going to take the mantle as the top guy. My pick would be Brendan Mott if I had to do it just because he showed us the most last year out of those guys. But Khalid Duke being back is different. And hopefully, you know, we'll see what the health of Nate Matlack is like this year. Um, and then in the secondary – Kobe Savage is like the only other guy that could be a candidate for this to me. And prior to, you know, some of the offseason injury stuff, I would have gone back to Daniel Green because this is this probably won't stand out to many people. But the game that meant the most to me for Daniel Green last year was the Tulane game because that was a game where nothing was going on. Every single movement of the ball mattered. And he played a part in both interceptions that K-State came away with to kind of stop Tulane driving down the field. He made one himself, and then he he got his hands on another that I think Kobe Savage ended up with. And that impressed me, but he's been here so long, and it's the same stuff every year. There's a little injury here, a little one there. It's going to prevent him from reaching his full potential. And all Austin Moore did last year was make play after play. It seemed like the ball was there, and Austin Moore was there. And I think, you know, we talk about it a lot in, you know, basketball or whatever else, other sports, but Austin Moore is like a glue guy. And I think he's the glue of this defense. And so I think he's going to have probably the most significant year for him and, and kind of be their standout. I love that one. All right, let's go to breakout player on offense. And I'm throwing newcomer. It can either be a breakout player, someone who's been at K-State or a newcomer. And you kind of mentioned it up, up at the top. And I think it honestly could probably be said for defense as well. Uh, you know probably about what you're getting. Not a lot of candidates um, on offense. I think there's a little more on defense, but wh where would you go for breakout player on offense? I'm going to go with Treshawn Ward um, because, I, you know, I think the two running backs K-State has right now, that's going to be awesome to see. And we got to see one year of what Chris Kleiman actually likes to do with running back in 2019, which is, He's not, hey, we're going to have a number one guy and then a bunch of guys that are really like threes, but, you know, you might back him out. Like, he likes to rotate guys, play two or three of them to about the same level. And we're going to get to see that this year with two guys that, like, no offense to James Gilbert and Jordan Brown, they were awesome, 
But DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward are better than those two guys. I think they're and, both future NFL guys, personally. Yeah, I mean, the size, the speed, like it's there for both of them. And I, like I, I think DJ Giddens is great, and he's going to probably start the year getting the first carry and everything else. But it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year, you know, we're, we're talking game 11 or 12, and it's like Treshawn Ward is the best running back on this team right now, and he's the best playmaker that, that K-State has at that position. So I think he's going to have a monster year, and even if he continues to just split it dead 50-50 and DJ Giddens kind of keeps that lead as the number one guy, um, I, he's going to get a bigger opportunity than he ever had at Florida State, and when he had those chances there, he was pretty darn good. Let's look to the defensive side of the ball. Again, I think there's a few more candidates here. Um, who who are you going to go with for this one? So, uh, I'm, I'm, I might cheat a little bit with this one, but I'm very excited about this and it would not be a Bosco's boys season preview show. If Keenan Garber's name was not mentioned. What? Uh, a, oh man. I love, we've had a couple Keenan Garbers for this one and, and it will qualify. And I love that you of all people are going with Keenan right here. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see what he looks like out there because what he was able to do last year where, you know, finally it sunk in all throughout the program with him, with the coaches, with everybody else, like you're never going to play wide receiver in a meaningful way at K-State. And so he made the switch midseason to defensive back. And, you know, he ever, you heard good things about it, but you didn't really see him until everybody's getting hurt in the Big 12 championship game. And now he's out there playing the most snaps he's ever played in a football game at K-State. And it's at a position he just started playing two months ago and it's in the big 12 title game and he did all right. And I, and there continues to be like good remarks about Keenan Garber. And so I, I don't know if he has kind of that standout year, like Treshawn Ward has on offense, but the potential is there for it to happen. And I'm just really excited to see it given the nature of how everything's played out in his career and seeing him finally get an opportunity. I'm rooting for him big time. I I'm so glad he made that position switch. I hope he has a big year. Um, if you had to tab one true freshman to make the biggest impact this season, who is it going to be? It's really tough just because, like, we've talked about over and over again. We know who the players are on really both sides of the ball. And so it's tough to find a true freshman that's going to crack into it somewhere. Like, you know, uh, I, I, offensively, like, I don't know who you, you pick out. Joe Jackson probably plays the most out of any true freshman, but – he's not going to have a role this year where he just blows you away and he's a big part of the offense. I think if that were to happen, it would be a guy like Trey Spivey really rises up throughout the year and they realize, Hey, we got to get around. We got to get him out there and, and go for it. So I guess that would be who it would be there. But ultimately I think it's probably Asa Newsom just because he's going to play at a position that we already know is dinged up a little bit with Daniel green and there will be an opportunity there, I think, if if you're ready to compete at that position, they'll throw you out there. Like, there are a lot of good linebackers on this roster right now, um, but I guess he's the one that I feel like if he saw the field could probably make the the biggest impact. In reality, it's probably going to be uh, one of the, like, defensive ends that is able to, to get a little bit of time here and there, and they probably, at the end of the year, you look at it and say, I guess they had the biggest impact because they played the most, but – if I had to go out on a limb, I would just say Asa Newsom because I think the upside is there for it to happen. I like that pick. You're here. I'm hearing a lot of stuff coming out of Manhattan about Asa Newsom. And also, he's an athletic guy who might just be a madman on kickoff coverage and punt coverage as well. So I love those. I love those hair on fire special teams guys on punt and kickoff coverage. So 
I'm going to be on the lookout for both those uh, units come Saturday. Um, All right. My favorite question, what's the pendulum game this year? This is tough because I like you look at the schedule early in the year and there are a lot of games there where I think K-State likely wins them, but it it wouldn't shock me if they lost them because if you played Missouri and Oklahoma State at home, I'm not too worried about it, but it's weird that it's road games and everything else. Um, UCF, that's kind of been like, I think some of the CBS sports guys had K-State losing to, to UCF or whatever. I don't think they lose that game uh, to start conference play at home, but I think it's the TCU game at home. TCU is not going to be of the level of a team they had last year, and they're coming in, but they're still going to be pretty good. Sonny Dykes obviously has proven himself as a coach, and I think that there is – I don't know if it's on field, but like off the field, I think that there is a lot of animosity between the K-State and TCU sides. um, Where I I, Prior to last year, I don't think that was there, but – it's really picked up because the TCU fans were very nasty and immature in Fort Worth throwing beer bottles onto the field. Um, and then, you know, the Big 12 title game, obviously K-State ends their unbeaten season. And I get that TCU got to play in the national title game, but the way I still view their season, TCU didn't win anything last year. They they won a playoff game, and that is significant. But in the playoff era, you win the playoff game, it's like, well, I want more. And you you get beat like that, and then you don't even have a conference title banner that you can put up somewhere. Um, and I just think that for K-State, like you're going to be returning home from a road trip to Texas Tech where you potentially lose. And if you've racked up two or three losses at that point, that home loss to TCU, uh, that would really sting because that could send things in a negative direction because then you, you got Texas two weeks later. Um, and it may not – like wreck K-State to where they're six and six or something, but you lose at home to TCU like that, you're probably not playing for the Big 12 title again. And that's ultimately what the standard and the goal for this season should be for K-State. All right, what's K-State's regular season record and do they make it to the Big 12 championship game? I have them going 10 and two. I've kind of been on this for a while now. I do think they make it to the Big 12 title game. Um, I think the two losses are at Texas Tech and at Texas. I think teams like Texas Tech, every one of them needs to have one of those games where it's like, okay, we are here. This is a big game for us. We've arrived. And it comes early enough in the season where Tech can kind of get their shine from it, and it's going to feel like this massive we've made it moment um, before you realize, hey, you can get up to this level, but you're still probably just a, a rung below that, and you'll you know meet your maker in a couple of other games. Um, and then I think they lose at Texas. It just – Texas has been the boogeyman for as long as I can remember now. It's kind of wild for, you know, the first 18 years of my life, I just thought K-State beat Texas constantly, and that was the joke. And the last time K-State has beaten Texas was my freshman year at K-State. Charlie Strong was on the sidelines in Manhattan. I think, was it Nick Ash was the quarterback in that game for Texas probably? Um, so that the K-State hasn't beaten them since then. And they had some really competitive losses to them, in games that they should have won, but they just didn't for some reason. So I think they lose. And then I think it ultimately is K-State and Texas in the Big 12 title game. Now, that's on paper. My brain and everything that we've seen in the last however many years, Texas is not going to be there. I have a bet with my old partner, Alec Bussey, on this because he just he's a brand snob in college football. He loves stuff like that, and it's annoying. And Gabe and I would always try and fight him on it. But 
we have a bet. He's trying to say that Texas will win the Big 12 this year. I said, they're not going to win it, and they're also not even going to make it to Arlington because this is just what they do. So we've got some bet on it. I'll probably lose because, you know, the way you you look at Texas, like there's no way they can't be there. So that's why I say K-State and Texas. And then I'll end it by saying if it is K-State and Texas, the Cats finally get over the hump and beat Texas in the Big 12 title game this year. Uh, they do everybody in the league a solid, and they don't let Texas win it on the way out. There you go, going back-to-back. Final two questions. These have been easy ones for uh, just about everyone. I think only one person has uh, strayed away from the easy answers. But of the four new teams in the Big 12 this year, so Houston, BYU, UCF, and UC, uh, who makes it to Arlington first? And then of the four PAC schools coming next year, who makes it to Arlington first? Yeah, unfortunately, UCF is the easy answer just because, number one, they've got the coach there that can do it. Gus Malzahn, obviously, I, you know, like he was good at Auburn. They they booted him out. But I think like he's in a really good spot now for what he is as a coach and for a place that will embrace him and accept him. Um, and I don't like he's not going to be as fly by the night as some of the past coaches that they've had at UCF where it's like looking for the next thing up. And not really, you know, I'm going to do this quickly, get mine and get out of here. I think he's ready to kind of be there for the long haul. Um, And it just seems like they're in a position, obviously, Florida helps uh, being in that location. And then the other schools are just in really tough spots right now. The Scott Satterfield hire is a really uninspiring one for Cincinnati. Um, I love Kalani Sataki. I love the way that he coaches a football game. It's just not very conducive to winning when you have to play good competition week in, week out. That man takes risks like no one I've ever seen before in a game, and it probably gets him fired within two years of the Big 12. And then Dana Holgerson is probably just an uphill battle in Houston right now. There are so many teams in Texas that have so much better footing, and even though you're in a better league now, you're just going to have a tough time making it. So I go UCF. And then with the Pac-12 schools, um, it's got to be Utah. They're just in a really good spot right now. Kyle Whittingham has them in a great spot. Um, and you know, even though their fans are arrogant and Whittingham seems a little arrogant too, about this whole move to the big 12, uh, it is unlikely they are going to be, you know, the, unfortunately the guys at the top. And I think that probably, um, they probably can do it in year one. Like we'll have to see after this year, what the roster really looks like, but I would imagine starting next year, everybody's picking Utah to win the big 12. I think that's probably accurate. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Big 12 media days next year and see if Winningham says anything too arrogant while he's uh Well, they Winningham just might go down the road to to SEC media days since he seems to think that, you know, they may not even be here in 5 years. <laughs> yeah, that's that was interesting, but that's all we have. That was our inaugural, excuse me, inaugural version of Cat Chats as part of the Friday Whip Around show. Mason uh now everyone can find you over at KSO. I assume we're going to hopefully be having you in our earbuds and seeing you on YouTube as well. And I'm pumped, man. I, I liked what you're doing on EMA online, but I, I've always said you are elite when it comes to having a microphone in front of you. And I hope we get some more of that in the coming months and honestly for the rest of your life. So sorry. Well, I just kind of put you in a, put you in a lane for the rest of your life. So I hope you like I talking mean, about sports. That's well, that, that, yeah, if I'm not doing this, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm probably, 
I'm probably divorced, not seeing my kid and working at Walmart or something. If I'm not doing anything in the sports world, I don't know that I have much else going for my, for my life at that point. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the goal, if, if you're not hearing me more constantly and seeing me on the YouTube or you know, we need to bully you KSO, oh, uh, you either need to bully him or I'm going to be fired before my contract is up <laughs> over there. Cause then I'm not fulfilling my end of the bargain. So yes, that's the goal and getting involved with, with those guys. And, you know, Drew and DY, they, they great information, great on the, the cranking out of stories. We're going to get them to be more vocal, especially Drew. I'm excited to get Drew to be I, more vocal and give him more of a platform with I, YouTube. I need I need you two to, whether it's a YouTube show, whether it's your guys' podcast or anything like that, because I'll bring D, Drew on my show, and he is good. He just needs to come out of his shell. He he needs yeah. to you know get get a little bit of that confidence in front of the mic. So if anyone can bring that out of him, it's you. Uh, so I tell all my subscribers, make sure that you are on the lookout for all the great stuff Mason's going to be doing over there at On Three with KC Online. I haven't decided which order all the segments are in the whip around. Either the show's basically almost over, or you guys are about to get some more primers. I don't know what it is. But Mason, thank you so much for coming on and being the inaugural guest for Cat Chats as part of the Friday Whip Around. That was the inaugural Cat Chat with Mason Both going from one former member of the game to the current host of the game he is the pa man you don't really need an introduction from me everyone knows mitch fortner and quite frankly they're a fan uh i love mitch i've gone on the game a few times with him he's been the inaugural guy to kick us off for blitz month for primers so he's keeping that honor going uh that's all I need to say. Again, he's the best in the biz. So let's kick it to the one and only Mitch Fortner. So once again, Mr. Wildcat has called upon yours truly to give you the first primer of K-State football the season 2023 and the opponent, the SEMO Redhawks. Once again, it is my pleasure to answer that invitation with a hell yeah and give you the first primer of the season here on Bosco's Boys. I am the driver of Volkswagens, the eater of wings, the five foot five, four minute four threes, the pharaoh of first downs, and the maestro of hashtag my boys. I am your K-State public address announcer, host of PowerCat Game Day, and the host of the game Monday through Friday on News Radio KMAN. My name is Mitch Fortner. All right, let's dig into this matchup, K-State and SEMO. Dominating storyline from the offseason. Well, I think the dominant storyline is really a lot of storylines wrapped into one title, and that's run it back. Can the Cats run it back to Arlington win a second straight Big 12 championship? All the coaches, mostly all the coaches, are back from last year. The entire offensive line is back. The 2023 recruiting class may be the best one ever. Sure, you got to replace guys like Deuce Vaughn, Felix City DK Uzama, Julius Brintz, Malik Knowles, Echo Boydo. But holes have been filled. Guys still need to prove themselves. 
it's fair to say the work that's been done by this coaching staff getting prepared for 2023 has not left us with any serious concerns about anywhere on the field. I think it's very fair to say this program is being ran in an orderly fashion. I think that's the storyline heading into 2023. Expectations for the season is to win a Big 12 championship. Offense to score 50 points a game, the defense hurts people. But no, seriously, the secret's out, guys. K-State's got dudes. 10 or 11 wins would not shock me this season. But I heard on a uh, a Sirius XM college football show, and I can't remember what it's called, but K-State was brought up in there saying, oh, K-State's flying under the radar. Nobody's expecting K-State to win this year. And it was Texas, blah, 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 Oklahoma, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, at this point, like, if K-State's flying under the radar to you, that's totally ignorance because the rest of the nation if you look at the AP poll they voted K-State 16th I think that's totally fair that's the highest preseason ranking since 2004 and by the way K-State picked to finish second in the Big 12 media thinks they're going to go back to Arlington the secret's completely out I mean there is totally a target on K-State's back this season but it's also about Will Howard Potentially breaking some passing records, having the best passing numbers since Jake Waters in 2014. Can Ben Sinnott have a K-State tight end Mount Rushmore type of season? And having the one-two punch at running back with DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward. For the defense, it's about the secondary proving that they're legit. The depth at linebacker, both young and old, showing off its talent. And for that defensive line to stuff up the run and get to the quarterback. Big storylines for this game. I think it's interesting with backup quarterback, that or just just jumping out of the media guide this week and the depth chart at backup quarterback. That or between Avery Johnson and Jake Rubley is quite telling about just how far in advance and ahead of schedule Avery Johnson is. Being a true freshman, elite quarterback, he hasn't played it down yet. I'm sorry, Jake Rubley, but Avery is the future of K-State football. We've seen these ores on the depth chart before, and it just, it almost kind of feels like, you know, Kleiman just trying to do his best not to hurt any feelings when a much younger player is just better than an older player. Go back to 2020. Will Howard used to be an ore on the depth chart behind Skylar Thompson with Nick Ost. Also that same year, running back had an ore. Deuce Vaughn used to be an ore behind Harry Trotter with Tyler Burns. How many quarterbacks are we going to see on the field on Saturday? Two, three, will Avery play? And does he come in before Rubley if he does play? Another storyline, the health of a couple of players. Good news about Daniel Green. He's going to play. Christian Duffy will not be playing at right tackle, so Carver Willis is going to get his first career start. The only one that's truly questionable right now is Uso Samalu, the one that, you know, that's the player that Coach Kleiman since Media Day has been praising about, about his improvement and taking over for Eli Huggins as the first string nose guard. And I'm a big fan of nose guards. Used to play one myself back in the day. But Uso can be a nasty player, and I can't wait to actually see that take place on the field. Distribution of carries for the running backs will be interesting to watch as well. And Coach Kleiman said he's intrigued to watch the wide receivers and secondary for obvious reasons, to prove themselves. A couple of guys on each side of the football that will be key for this game. Cats will need them to click to get this dub on Saturday. First of all, I'm going to go with Will Howard. I just want to see a clean game, really efficient in the passing game. And could he start off his 2023 campaign with a huge day throwing the football? And I surely do expect it. I'm going to be watching for Keegan Johnson to have a big day. It's his debut with the Wildcats, and he's already, of course, projected to be the number one wide receiver. 
On the other side of the football, Khalid Duke back at defensive end. You know, if I were to set the over-under of sacks in the game at one and a half, I actually expect him to go over. I think a couple of sacks surely can happy for, happen for Khalid Duke. I think he could have a big season. I think he could be just as good as Felix statistically in 2023. And I'll go with one more. I think it's pretty important. Will Lee and Jacob Parrish have a strong day being now the starting corners? Casimo's going to throw it around. They got some tall receivers, athletic receivers that are very experienced. They're a lot more experienced than K State's corners. So that'll be a very interesting matchup to watch. A couple of keys for the K State victory. I think the most important one, uh, not only with K State trying to stop the pass and slow down their wide receivers, but also stopping the run of Simo. Their quarterback, Paxton DeLore, is not afraid to run it, but also Geno Hess is their starter at running back. He's a sixth year senior, nearly 1,700 yards last year. He is a two-time All-American, and he nearly ran it for 7.2 yards per carry. However, struggled greatly against Iowa State in the season opener last year. Meanwhile, the Cats just need to throw the football, I think. They're going to run it, of course, and they're going to be successful. Throwing it, though, that's where SEMO really struggled last year. Ranked 108th in the country out of 123 teams at the FCS level in passing defense. They are actually giving up more yards than SEMO was throwing for in a game-by-game average last season. All right, my final score prediction, as I said earlier, I think this is going to be K-State blowing the doors off of SEMO and, and making an impact, making a statement in game number one. Will Howard said the uh, offense wants to score 50 points a game, so I'm going to roll with that. K-State is going to turn SEMO into EMO at the end of the day with your final score, K-State 51 and SEMO 10. Again, if you don't know this, I'll be your public address announcer on Saturday and through the full K-State football season. This is my third season as PA for K-State football. I host the game Monday through Friday on News Radio KMAN. You can listen to our podcast at NewsRadioKMAN.com. Another big thank you goes out to Mr. Wildcat for inviting me to come on his podcast, Bosco's Boys, and give you the first primer of the K-State football season. And remember, K-State fans, help control the pet population Have your pets spayed or neutered. I'm Mitch Fortner. Goodbye, everybody, and go Cats. And that was Mitch. He's the best in the business. Absolutely love it. Go back in your pet podcast feed. Go find the Friday, hour one episode of the game. I was actually on with Mitch Fortner. Go on and see what sort of nonsense I said. Before we get to Sam Herder, of Hero FCS Sports to get a little primer for SEMO. Remember, this show is sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. They just brewed up a fresh batch of Tasty IPA. Get in there. Try it this weekend. Also, get the Bosco's Boys Flight. That is tasters of Championship Run Pumpkin Batch. Always sunny in the official tailgate beer of 2023, Townie Wheat. Check them out when you're in Manhattan. Get a couple four-packs and some growlers to go. That will make you the most popular person at your tailgate. Also remember, sponsored by Charlie Hustle. It's your local Kansas City t-shirt company with the most comfortable, most stylish, and straight-up best officially licensed K-State gear in the business. Go to charliehustle.com. I'll be rocking my K-State beef shirt on Saturday. Shoot me a tweet. Tweet me what Charlie Hustle shirt you're rocking at the stripe out on Saturday. Go to charliehustle.com. There is a certain NFL defending champions kicking off on Thursday. 
Check out the Arrowhead collection as well. And let Charlie Hustle know we want a Felix Andy DK Uzama Arrowhead collection shirt as well. All right, now let's kick it to Sam Herder. And we got a special treat for the Simo Primer, folks. I got the number one voice, at least in my opinion, when it comes to talking about FCS football. If you are lucky enough to listen to the 1012 Network, the or the 1012 Pod, the flagship podcast of the 1012 Network, you would have heard him earlier in the summer. It is a guy who I've been following from multiple accounts and I love FCS football. I don't talk about it because this is a K-State pod, but if you love college football, if you love following the FCS, this is the man to follow. Sam Herter, welcome to the show. Welcome. Philip told me, hey, if you ever need to talk to about FCS anything, this man knows everything about everyone. So I hope he didn't hype you up too much, but I always enjoy your summer visits on the 1012 pod. I'm glad I could get you on here to chat for five, six minutes. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on and appreciate the the kind words. Uh, no pressure, right, on this one? <laughs> I, I know. So so not not only, you know, you, you vote in the top 25, you, you vote in different awards, you have your own FCS projects. How pumped are you for this season? I know the FCS season got going last week, uh, but it's really getting going this week as well. How pumped are you to get through this offseason? Yeah, super excited for this upcoming season. Uh, you know, the uh, the FCS, I always say, um, you know, as someone that covers the FCS, I'm, you know, I'm not scared to admit that it is a niche level of college football, but because it's such a niche level of college football, that's actually, in my opinion, what makes it fun, where you kind of have your own corner of the national college football fan base. And uh, there's always fun storylines, you know, the 2014 playoff bracket um, in the playoff picture, you know, who's seated, who's getting in, who's getting, who's getting left out, stuff like that is just so fun at the FCS level with that playoff bracket. One, one final thing before I get to the stuff that I had in the outline. Uh, I remember my first initial reaction when Chris Kleiman's name was getting floated for the K-State job. Uh, I talked myself into it pretty quickly because when it looked like it was going to happen, what fun is it to kind of fight back against it? He won the Big 12 last year uh, for almost the entire first half. He was you know going back and forth, uh, almost leading Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, what was your uh, original reaction when it came out that he was going to get that K-State job? And uh, do you kind of feel validated, you know, seeing the success that he's having saying, hey, you know what, maybe it shouldn't be just niche. Maybe folks really should be paying a little bit more attention, especially to this upper level of the division. Yeah, I mean, there's there's great coaches in the FCS, some really, really good coaches uh, that stick around for a long time. Um, there's great talent in the FCS. Um, you know, draft picks may not be super high. There's usually like 10 to 15 draft picks every year from the FCS. But, you know, after the draft, there's, you know, I count them up. There's usually like 140 FCS players that sign undrafted free agent deals. And, you know, had they played in the big 12, you know, they, they probably would have, you know, gotten draft picked. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, so I lived in Fargo for about six, seven years in, uh, in the 2010s. Uh, and so I followed NUSU very closely. Um, you know, I've talked to coach Kleiman when he was in Fargo, I talked to a number of those assistants one-on-one, uh, the ones that went to K-State. And so, you know, that, 
I thought it was a home run hire, you know, obviously seeing this, the success he had with at NDSU. I mean, he took over a, a program that was already a dynasty and he made NDSU even better, which I thought was the most, uh, you know, important thing uh, for him. And also I think K-State fans know it now. He's just like a, he's a good dude. When you talk to him, you don't get kind of that greasy used car salesman vibe. Like he just seems like a genuine guy. And so um, I know K-State fans, some of them didn't like the hire at the time, just because, you know, again, it is FCS head coach, no matter how good NDSU was, it still was you know, FCS, but, you know, obviously things are, are turning out pretty well there in K-State. Yes, they are. And for whatever reason, K-State seems to almost always have a team that is either flirting with the top 25 or flirting with a playoff berth when they play that FCS game. This year's no different. SEMO's coming in as, I believe, a top 15 team in the preseason FCS poll. Is their expectation to win their conference and compete for one of those playoff spots? Is it fair to kind of put them in that echelon? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think these are, uh, you know, SEMO's always been pretty decent. They've made the playoffs a few times in the last handful of years, uh, but this is probably probably the biggest expectation SEMO has had in, um, you know, maybe program history. Uh, and so they have a lot of talent coming back from last year's team that made the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, their expectation is, you know, again, to be that top team um, in the OVC. Uh, it's now the OVC Big South. They kind of have a conference merger going on there. But be back in the playoffs um, and make it further in the playoffs. Last year, they went to a Montana team that is really hard to play. SEMO uh, was up big before they kind of um, let things get away from them and they end up losing that game. But I think SEMO fully expects to make the playoffs and potentially win a couple of playoff games this year. You mentioned they're bringing back a lot of talent. If you're going to spotlight a few guys that K-State fans should know about, should be going into Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday, King in on who are a couple of those guys. Yeah, Simo is 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 pretty balanced, but it all starts with the running back Gino Hess. Um, you know, he's five foot eight, two hundred and twenty some pounds, and so kind of a smaller, compact guy, uh, tough to bring down, bounces off of tackles, uh, relatively elusive. Um, he already has the Simo career rushing uh record. Uh, you know, last year he had sixteen hundred yards, uh, twenty one touchdowns, and so it all starts with him. Uh, but I talked about them being balanced. Uh, you know, Paxton DeLawrence is their quarterback. He he's a a big guy, but I really like their top wide receiver, uh, Ryan Flirinoy. Uh, six foot two. Um, they, they they have another uh, wide receiver on the outside as well. His last name is Vic. I think he's six three or six four. Um, and so they have you know kind of long rangey wide receivers. But I really like Flirino on the on the outside. And then defensively, uh, their middle linebacker Bryce Norman um, is is really really good. Back to back 100 yard seasons. Um, and then Lawrence Johnson uh, is a. Um, He's kind of an outside linebacker, nickelback, kind of, you know, hybrid there, um, you know, kind of roaming the lanes there. He was really, really productive last year, preseason All-American guy. Um, you know, I think he has potentially next-level talent just because of his size and athleticism. Um, and so those are just a, a few names to, to keep an eye on. So if Simo's going to pull off the upset, which, you know, I I, I don't want to – you know, think back to my senior year of uh, at K-State, North Dakota State came in, they got the upset. So, uh, and I think the talent gap is probably just as small between those team and this team. So it could happen. What what would SEMO look to pull off if they are going to come out victorious? Yeah, I, I was at that game too at K-State uh, covering that game. What an um, atmosphere, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. not the result I wanted, but, you know, a ton of Bison fan made, made their way south and, uh, you know, opening up the West Side Stadium Center, absolute packed house. And I walked back to my house. Uh, you know, I, I lived like 0.8 miles from the stadium, head down. It was it was not a good night for me, but it was a great night for college football. Yeah, I, I just remember how hot it was. And then also, too, I was up in the press box covering the game. And I think that was like the, the press box had just been redone. So it's a brand new press box. And so I walked in there, um, you know, 
a lot younger at the time thinking, holy crap, you know, this, this is awesome. But uh, yeah, you know, this SEMO team isn't, like I, like we said, they're good. They're probably in the 10 to 15 range, but they're they're not North Dakota State. They're not South Dakota State, who is now kind of the kings um, of the FCS. They're, they're a good, solid FCS team, but they're not a top-tier FCS team. They still do have talent. You know, for them to pull off the upset, and it it would be a, a major, major upset, um, I think Geno Hess needs to have a, a big day. Uh, you'll break a lot of tackles. There's always, like, those games where – like the defense just for whatever reason, they can't get their arms around a running back. He's just slippery. He's bouncing off tackles. Um, and so I think if Geno Hess can be that guy, uh, because I mean, the SEMO offensive line is, is good, but they're not going to, they're not going to bulldoze K-State, right? You know, they're not going to open up huge running lanes. And so him escaping tackles, breaking tackles is going to be big. I mean, then kind of along the same lines, I think SEMO just holding up in the trenches. Um, we see a lot in FCS versus FBS games, especially against the power five, where the FCS team can hold their own for, maybe two quarters, but when you get to that second half, you know, the depth just takes over and FCS teams get leaned on and, you know, they kind of, things just snowball in their own direction. So I think holding up in the trenches is going to be key here. If K-State's going to do what they hope to and what I think K-State fans expect and get a win, is there anything besides, hey, it's just the talent advantage, it's just the scholarship number advantage uh, for a Power 5 versus FCS, or is there a weakness that SEMO really might have to worry about K-State exploiting? I think SEMO's front seven uh, should be pretty solid this year. They have a lot of their guys coming back. I already talked about their linebacker, Bryce Norman, uh, but they're a top – uh, top 15 in FCS rush defense last year, but their passing defense was uh, 104th in the FCS. And so they gave up um, a lot of big plays. You know, I know, you know, K-State runs a pretty similar offense to what NDSU ran. So, you know, power run, you know, setting up to run to pass. But I do think, um, you know, you probably will find more success through the year um, in this one. In, in the second half, you know, the, the rushing lanes will probably open up more because of that depth. But I think early on, you know, kind of exploiting that that secondary of SEMO is, it might be the best way to go offensively. And then final question, if you had to put a prediction out there, what, what sort of score line are you looking at? Yeah, I think K-State by 24, 21, 24 points. I don't think it's going to be – you know, because we see some super ugly FCS versus Power 5 games where it's 55 to 7. I don't think it's going to be that bad, but it's also not going to be NDSU. It's not going to be, uh, you know, I think it was South Dakota a handful of years ago. That was a lot closer than expected, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, that might have been like 2018, 2019. It's, I don't think it's going to be not going to be like Northern that. Iowa beating Iowa State by 14 this year. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that that is on my radar as far as a you know potential. I'm rooting upset, for but... it. I I'm rooting for it. I, I, no love lost between me and Iowa State, so that's what I'm going to be rooting for. Yeah, um, hey, the, the, Theo Day, uh, quarterback for Northern Iowa, he he's he's really good. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be. I think Kansas State's going to be in control this entire game, but it's not going to be you know blowout city too much. It'll be it'll be three three four scores, but not too bad. All right, uh, one final question. Didn't have it on the outline, but since I mentioned that Northern Iowa Iowa State game. Is that the FCS Power 5 matchup that you think is most likely to fall the way of FCS, or is there another one that you might want to put on people's radar? I think that one is going to be really, really close. Uh, Theo Day is, is a really good quarterback for Northern Iowa. Uh, Iowa State's dealing with some of their off-field stuff. Uh, the the one Power 5 game, FCS versus Power 5, I think is William & Mary uh, going to Virginia. Um, William & Mary is really good. Uh, they're strong in the trenches. Uh potentially a semifinalist type squad this year. Um, Virginia's, you know, not, not super strong, relatively speaking. And so that that's, I think the, the most likely FCS over power five win. 
I love it. Well, tell all the boneheads, that's the fans of this show and any K-State fans listening, where can they find you? And I'm sure, you know, if they're podcast radio listeners, I'm sure this won't be the only time they hear you this week. But if they want to hear more, see more from you, social media, audio, anywhere, where, where should folks find you? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, our website is heroesports.com. Uh, we cover FCS and Group of Five football. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Sam Herter FCS. And then I do have a weekly podcast as well called FCS Football Talk. I absolutely love it. Sam, thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time this morning. And uh, folks, again, if you love college football, uh, if you love it, good coverage, no matter who they're talking about, Sam is one of the best in the business. So check him out. Sam, thanks again for talking SEMO with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. And this week for the Big 12 Game of the Week, we're going to be talking about the game that is on Big Noon Kickoff. To do that, I want to talk to maybe my favorite, or at least top five people, internet friend turned real life friend. You can find him on the Bet USA uh, YouTube page where he is giving picks, he's giving locks, and having fun with some of his friends, and he's also doing work for the Hammer. You know him at stats of war if he hasn't blocked you i just know him as my friend dr parker parker welcome to bosco's boys welcome to the big 12 game of the week uh and beyond everything just welcome back to football season my friend yeah man glad to glad to be back in football season got to go out to uh circa uh sports this weekend and watch you know the the big theater with all the screens felt like i really got to dive in for week zero and uh always glad to be back here with the uh with the bosco boys and uh, i will point out for the record uh had a year of jubilee everyone is unblocked but if you annoy me i'll block you again because frankly i don't care oh man well you you're you know i i actually think you have thicker skin than some folks want to give you credit for because i see your mentions on occasion uh so if you're listening to this you know you're unblocked but uh don't be an asshole that that should be the the 2023 college football season have fun but don't be an asshole comma unless it's directed at steve sarkeesian i mean i i think that should be fair that's me saying it not you so uh let's get into it big noon kickoff all eyes are on the college football championship game participant tcu horn frogs and maybe the most talked about team in the history of college football which is Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes. This isn't on the uh, outline, um, but you know, since you do stuff, you know, in, in the betting world, I'm I've I've asked a couple people setting the line at over under three and a half years for Deion Sanders at Colorado. Going to be really hard to get rid of him, um, especially financially, and so I think that we're in for the long haul with uh, with Coach Prime. Especially because I've said this before, was was talking about this a lot last year. I actually went to went to Colorado and went to the TCU game last year, and um, I mean facilities are fine, lots little opportunity to upgrade, but like good stadium. The student section showed up. People in Denver, I think, would care about Boulder. So um, pretty pretty. I mean, I think that the foundations there, if they can get recruiting into Texas, they can get a good thing going. Uh, also, he's hired to, you know two high profile coordinators. He's going to be able to turn those over after two seasons if. Uh, things aren't going well. So I think, I think I would go over there. I think, I think he's in for the long haul um, unless, you know, the Florida state job or something came open and they reconsidered from a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, I think, I think it, it would be very hard to get rid of him at Colorado. 
All right. Uh, speaking of this, this Colorado team, this year's version of Colorado, I know you do a ton of work getting your graphs together, getting all your data ready, but is Colorado probably not just for you, but for anyone who's in the business of previewing teams, the toughest team ever to preview? You know, I think I saw that they turned over close to 85% of their scholarship players, all those transfers coming in. And I don't know how much you can really take from what Coach Prime did at the HBCU level and try to project that on what Colorado might look like. How, how do you go about trying to preview a team like that before you see them on the field? Yeah, it is hard because your typical math doesn't work. But I think that's a, a good example, kind of an edge case of how with the transfer portal, our, our, our typical year over year model is, is changing, right? Even the year to year correlation stuff is is uh dynamically updating and so you've got to make sure you're accounting for that and there is a high degree of uncertainty I, I think with this team one big aspect of this though is to is to think about the offensive lines and think about how important offensive line play is at the power five level uh relative to especially the hbcu level really really going to be not uh, a lot of ways to get a talent advantage on the offensive or defensive line at the hbcu level just the kind of caliber of athletes that are going there um and so if you can get one or two guys uh, maybe that could swing things in your favor, but realistically, it's about the skill positions. And, you know, the, the lines are going to be a wash. Can you get a quarterback? Can you get a running back? Can you get a lockdown corner? Uh, can you get a wide receiver? And 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 Coach Prime was able to aggregate some talent and easily get an overwhelming talent advantage. Didn't win the league, um, so it wasn't an absolute advantage, you know, but it did go a long way. I think that um, there's going to be a lot more emphasis on the down to down business of football on the smaller things on buy-in on execution on scheme. I really like Sean Lewis um, and the offenses he was able to put together at Kent state shout out to Dustin crumb. And so I think there's be the opportunity for them to, to put together some offense, but the lines are going to be the limiting factor. And so I still think we can really, uh, you know, I, I think people putting their money on Colorado to win the national championship or Shitter Sanders to win the Heisman, uh, even even maybe a Colorado over are uh, overly optimistic and maybe not thinking about how much it's going to be required to get that offensive line in order um, here. So, yeah, definitely, definitely hard to predict. And um, uh, an interesting question, because, shoot, maybe he does something that no one has ever done before and, and pulls it off and has a good season. Certainly possible. And in the transfer portal, not 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 insane, but uh, seems seems kind of unlikely. The uncertainty uh, bars are, are quite wide here. Let's flip to the uh, current Big 12 school uh, again. You know, this will be a Big 12 matchup next year, which is wild to think about. And maybe we'll have to get you on to talk about that again a, a little bit later. But. Uh, how, how do you have a follow-up to an undefeated regular season uh, going to overtime in the Big 12 championship team, losing to the preeminent dominant number one team in the Big 12 K-State, of course, uh, and, and then, you know, you win a playoff game, you make it to a championship game. What does Sonny Dykes do for his encore in year two? Uh, because, man, that was, that was such a wild season for TCU. I, I don't know how anyone comes back from that. Yeah, so definitely expectation management is important because um, I think that we all know that the 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 quote unquote best, and I'll say best just because they went to the playoff, but not a declarative statement. I had Kansas State slightly higher higher power ranking by the end of the season, but um, the uh, best team in the Big Twelve, or for a team to succeed in the Big Twelve, you have to have a certain threshold of talent. You need to be kind of towards the top of your development cycle, and you need to get the bounces. Look at the one score wins. Look at the bazooka field goal in Waco. Look at the uh, blown coverage in the Texas game, um, just a lot of a lot of issues. I think a lot of um, 
there was a couple Kansas plays that could have gone either way there. And, 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 and TCU certainly got those, um, those bounces. People forget the West Virginia game. They're only up three and scored like on the last second play, just a fluke kind of play and, and, and made that look a little worse than it was. So uh, I think expectation management is really, really important here. And, and I think Dykes has been doing a lot of that. You saw it uh, media days. He was talking about putting together the pieces and, 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 and some comments that kind of suggested he knew what was going to be on the field. They're also turning over a ton. Um, and so I think how you come back from that is you say, Hey, this is proof of concept that when the roster is right and the breaks go away, we can reach the top level of football, which is something I think uh, was uncertain about TCU with Gary Patterson. The question does remain to be seen. Can he, uh, can, can Sonny Dykes orchestrate and build a roster that, that gets in there? Cause uh, aside from a couple transfers, really that wasn't his roster last year. So um, I, I think the name of the game is expectation management. I think that um, especially look at the big 12, look at, 2020 Iowa State, 2021 uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor, 2022 TCU, 2017 TCU, 2018 Texas, the second team in that Big 12, right? And uh, whoever it was kind of playing second fiddle to Oklahoma all those years, they, they had a bad year the next year because there is a development nature and they, there's not this new dynastic thing. That being said, now I think there's a lot of people who have made the case that TCU could be as well positioned as anyone to be at the top of the new Big 12. Um, and being in DFW, having the facilities and money they have, that's that's certainly not unreasonable. But I, I, I think that there's a lot of work here to talk about kind of first principles and roster building um, and not so much focus on the results on the field. Because while I think eight and four is certainly plausible, um, it's not going to be the heights of, of last year. All right. Let's talk quarterbacks. Shadur Sanders, I, I feel like probably has the most unrealistic hype of any player coming into college football this season. Not to say that he's not going to be a good player, but you know, at, at one point in the offseason, I think I read that he might have been the leading uh, ticket holder for Heisman Trophy uh, bets at one point this offseason. I don't know if that's still true, um, but can he live up to that hype? And what what sort of quarterback is he going to be? You know, in this Pac-12 uh, conference that I think at least a lot of folks are saying might be one of the more exciting Pac-12 seasons uh, we've seen in a while, and obviously the final one ever in the Pac-12. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think one of those stats about like how many bets or how much line is on there, like n- n- that really never talks about, you know, there's a lot of bets, but they're all for $5 and they're people just buying lottery tickets. And um, uh, so so I don't I don't know how much that matters in terms of like, I don't think sharp people are betting on, on Shadur Sanders to win the Heisman. But what you're buying is, um, you know, uh, the hype is real. And I think there might even be some ethical stuff about like, um, Fox owns a lot of the property that Colorado is going to be on this fall in terms of TV broadcast. And, uh, there's incentives for eyeballs there. And also the Heisman is a game where, you know, attention matters and you want to get guys in the Heisman race. So I think there might be kind of some backhanded underhandedness with, with the promo of all that. Um, and what we've seen, uh, the question about whether Shitter Sanders can be a Heisman trophy winner really says a lot about, um, what you think Colorado is like you, you have to be on one of the 10 generously 10 best teams in college football. Um, you have to put up extreme numbers, uh, in a first year offense with an offensive line, that's not going to be great. Um, even if it's going to be different from last year with really only one kind of excellent option, Montana Lamonius Craig, who was a fine receiver got out of there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know if it's obvious that Sanders is going to be able to put up the numbers. And, um, you know, you think about most, most college football teams kind of, struggle early in the season they're going to go to texas it's going to be hot uh is he going to put up enough numbers in kind of their marquee non-con matchup they are also playing 12 power fives 
Uh, it's it's going to be a rough road. I, I would say that's pretty unlikely. That doesn't mean Sanders isn't good, but um, you know, Sanders certainly wasn't rated as highly as Travis Hunter, who was kind of the big coup to come to Jackson State, and um, so there's some you know some issues with that as well. Uh, I, I don't see why there's not a reason that he couldn't be a top half Pac-12 quarterback, but with those Pac-12 defenses, we know what that means kind of nationally. Also, he's blocked from the sense of Knicks and Penix and Williams all in the same conference. Best case scenario, he's QB4, uh, but that's going to be a substantial drop-off from, from those three uh, ahead of him. Let's talk about the guy who beat out Heisman finalist uh, Max Duggan last uh, offseason camp for TCU, Chandler Morris. Um, hopefully he stays healthy through this season. Um, but, you know, we're finally getting to see Dykes play with his preferred starting quarterback. A little bit tongue-in-cheek there because I know how big a fan of Max Duggan you were but and, and continue to be. I don't want to say past tense, uh, continue to be. Well, uh, but, he did but, He did get cut today, so it's a, it's a sad day around my uh, household. Yeah, he well, got waved. I, I said this on Twitter, and then uh, funny enough, on Kansas City Sports Talk at like 6 p.m., one of the hosts is like, well, if the Chiefs aren't going to ever a quarterback sneak, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, why not pick him up a tough son of a gun uh, to just kind of use as a battering ram? Because they, they tried to do it with Blake Bell and, you know, the Chiefs can't pick up a third and one or fourth and one to save their lives. So look out, you know, Max Duggan, Kansas City Chief coming to, you know, a think piece near you. But uh, Chandler Morris. Uh, you know, he was the preferred guy going into that Colorado game, got banged up, and then the rest is history. Heisman Max, the guy who got my Heisman Trophy vote, Max Duggan. Um, what's Chandler Morris going to do for the TCU Horn Frogs this season? Yeah, I think that rumors of um, the separation between Morris and Duggan uh, have kind of been overstated. I think Sonny Dykes a little bit threw Max Duggan under the bus uh, to prop up Chandler Morris this spring. Um, and, uh, yeah, it might be the case that they wanted to roll with Morris over Duggan, but that was a slight preference and really, um, without Max Duggan's legs, that season doesn't look anything like it is. And with some of the reports about potentially the, uh, Riley Dykes relationship, not being necessarily what they wanted it to be. Um, you could see that maybe they were, prefer, you know, prefer, I prefer this guy for this guy, whatever, and some political economy behind the scenes. So Morris is not bad. I mean, Duggan was a higher rated recruit than Morris. So it wasn't like Morris was the heir apparent. I think a lot of people, Look at Chandler Morris and they think about Baylor 2021. Um, and they think about what is 400 yards uh, through the air. Um, and yeah, 461. Uh, he attempted 40, 47 dropbacks, which was like TCU hadn't attempted 40 dropbacks since Kenny Hill. And uh, that was against Oklahoma State, I think, like a real, real high volume game there. Uh, people forget, look, 87.1 passing grade. That's great. Baylor had some extenuating circumstances. Anyone will tell you that as well in terms of who was on the field, in terms of uh, how they prepared for that game. But the Oklahoma State game happened the next week. He went and got absolutely eaten alive by Oklahoma State. 57 passing grade, uh, just not great. And then we look at the, the Colorado game in 2020. One, uh, excuse me, 2022, um, you know, just wasn't look, didn't look good to start, looked kind of lost, was slow, couldn't, you know, the only thing he really hit was a um, pretty short kind of rocket toss that that, that that was most of his yards there. And uh, and so we haven't really seen, I think the legend of Chandler Morris is a little bit higher and, and, and a little bit larger than reality. It's not to say, you know, he's a fine passer. He's mobile enough in the pocket. He's a little bit small, worried about, um, you know, how he's able to, 
sustain high volume rushing. Like I, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, Chandler Morris is not KJ Jefferson. So wonder what kind of offense they're going to be able to run. Um, uh, especially because last year, a lot of their offense was Max bails you out enough and then you get a big play with Quentin Johnson and Chandler Morris and Max Duggan are not the same quarterback. So we'll be interesting to see what they do there. I, I again think that just to cap that off, that the, the, the rumors of the separation were a little bit larger um, than reality. And I think that there's been some indication that Sonny Dykes doesn't love his current quarterback room. Now, Champs Nolan, they got the transfer from Oregon State. He's left the team. They really have Josh Hoover and no one else. It is a thin, thin room. So if Morris were to get hurt again, the, the, the floor is pretty low for that TCU quarterback room. All right. What should fans really be dialed in on watching when that game kicks off 11 a.m. Central Standard Time or Daylight Time here in God's Time Zone? Uh, live from Fort Worth. What what should fans be dialed in on? What should fans be watching for in this game? Uh, one hydration, I think, is really important for everybody. I'm already um, starting to hydrate for Saturday. I think at kickoff, it's going to be yeah. 102 in Manhattan. That's a 6 p.m. game. So uh, I, I'm getting my gallon plus of water and some electrolytes every day leading up to that one. So everyone nice, listening yeah. right now, Drink Manhattan Brewing Company beer, but make sure you're mixing in at least 16 ounces of water for every beer. Have we talked about how there's a Manhattan Brewing in Dallas as well? It's a different thing. Uh, That's not related to this question. No, we have not talked about it, and we're going to have to talk about it later. Um, <laughs> not know uh, that well, was a thing. Well, We'll circle back to that. This is the problem with doing uh, doing sports talk with your with your friends because I'm like, oh, we want to talk about this thing. But um, for looking, uh, you know, looking at this this weekend, a couple of things I'm looking for. Can TCU start hot? Uh, can they come out and say, we know we have an identity? They have completely revamped uh, their wide receiver room. I think it's really interesting. Um, they brought in John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State. And I think he was kind of a first option for Oklahoma State. And the gravity is going to be a lot better for him here. It's going to be a lot more attention around there. Savion Williams is a guy that, you know, they wanted to kind of be that second option and had, had some drop issues, you know, didn't couldn't really be the guy. Um, and then they bring in the transfer um, Jojo Earl from Alabama. Uh, what's that going to look like, right? What is, what is that wide receiver going to loom? They're turning so turning over so much on offense. Uh, additionally, TCU loses D Winters, kind of the linchpin of the defense, one of the best defenders in the Big 12 over the last couple of years. Um, and they're going to have to replace him uh, in, in addition to Dylan Horton, an uber-athletic defensive lineman who gave them a lot of um, – a lot of leeway. So I'm specifically looking less for what Colorado is going to be like and more what TCU is going to be like, because I think TCU thinks they have a stronger sense of identity. And I want to see if they can put that identity on the field here. We'll know a lot more about them. They're ranked going into this Colorado. You're just trying to cover, I think uh, maybe a world where they win, right? Certainly plausible. Um, but unlikely, I think the spread is 20 and a half. The last I, the last I looked, maybe it's 19 and a half. I think it was moving a little bit in Colorado's direction. Um, and certainly with the heat, you'd think that in the second half, they, they, they would be inclined to wilt. But uh, I think Colorado is going to try some trick plays, going to try some weirdness and just going to try to be as weird as possible and see if they can kind of confuse TCU, put a lot of stress on this defense. Uh, and then what is the Colorado defense going to look like? I don't know. Travis Hunter is going to try to play both ways. Is he going to be able to sustain that in the heat? Is he going to be able to sustain that with taking hits and making tackles? Um, and so we'll see. Uh, I, I think it's also very plausible that TCU's pass game doesn't work and they just line up and run over Colorado. They did that a little bit last year and said, okay, all right, let's just give the ball to Kendra Miller and raise the floor here and get things in control. Uh, let's see if TCU can kind of avoid the stinky first half. That's what I'm interested in this, uh, this weekend and what I'm looking for. And it's it's actually Manhattan Project Brewing. You said that. It's Manhattan Project, yeah, yes. And, and I instantly was like, all right, hold on. Well, I went there. You actually gave me that recommendation uh, before the Big 12 Championship game, and I was there the Friday before right. and watched a World Cup game there 
uh, while drinking some good beer. Not not as great as the greatest brewery in the world, Manhattan Brewing Company, but Manhattan Project down in Dallas. Uh, I, I went there as a recommendation from you because when you said that, I was like, wait, hold on. So I, ha- I had to look it up. And yes, I, I spent some time there the Friday before the Big 12 championship game. Uh, but good let's stuff. get into prediction time. Um, I, I don't know if you have your model uh, for this game yet. Um, if you do, what's the model's projected kind of scoreline? And then where does your head say, hey, we're, we're beyond just the numbers, do you think the numbers are good on this one? What do you think the scoreline is going to look like? Yeah, so I have this as um, – let me pull up. You're getting hot off the numbers. hasn't even been released yet. Um, this is – I have this as, uh, as TCU by about 24. Um, and that's hard with the returning production. You know, my model is going to say it's going to be slow to adjust. It's going to be lower on Colorado because they were bad last year um, and higher on TCU because they were good last year. But uh, specifically with the running and the passing, I mean, Colorado was just so bad on both sides of the ball last year that uh, a lot of times teams didn't even have to pass against them because they could just run and do whatever they wanted. So that plus the heat makes me think that TCU in the second half could be interesting. But we know prime, we know kind of the the competitive edge or whatever. And so from any kind of, if I had to put any kind of name on a betting thing, I'd be more interested in a TCU first half line um and seeing hey could they could they get out ahead and then Colorado come back uh but I I, you know I really I really with with Colorado what I've said so far is like don't bet on them don't bet on their games right now donate it to charity this week and uh just watch and learn and so with all the returning production on TCU or the the turnover for TCU with all the hype around Colorado this is a game that I'm not going to put any money on uh, I'm going to watch and I'm going to try to learn about these two teams and see what I can understand going forward. Colorado is one of the worst teams against the spread last season. Um, and uh, so it's really hard for a team to just flip the switch and and become amazing without those market fundamentals kind of being there. Right. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And I'll be interested in this game. We'll, we'll see how long it can keep uh, my interest on the TV, uh, you know, because before I head out to Manhattan. Uh, but but it but it's going to be a fun one. Again, I, I think this has probably been one of the more talked about games in the entire offseason for week one. And weirdly enough, it's not as much about the team that was in the national championship last year. So it's going to be an intriguing game. I'm just so fun. Football's back. I'm fun. You are. I'm so happy you came on here again. Uh, where can all the boneheads find you all your good work? Are you going to be tweeting out your uh, game preview graphics again this year? Oh, that's yeah, perfect. actually, as, so. as, as soon as we get here, uh, I'm going to I'm going to go finalize a couple things for tomorrow and uh, tweet those out on Tuesday mornings. Yeah, at Stats Awards, kind of the hub. That's where you can find all my shows and podcasts and everything. And if you're in the NFL I, uh, over at, at Sumer Sports, I've got some NFL content as well. So should be a lot of fun this season. Well, that's perfect. Well, Parker, thank you for being the uh, inaugural, at least for the 2023 guest to talk Big 12 game of the week. And uh, who knows, you, you, you might be making a couple more appearances for our whip around throughout rest of the year. But also, folks, uh, if you want any great information, uh, check out Stats Award. Don't get yourself blocked because those game previews, uh, especially once you get to about the you know quarter point in the season, those numbers are chef kiss. So, Parker, thanks again for coming on. I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon. Absolutely. Anytime, my friend. Good to talk to you.
What's going on, everybody? It's your girl. Who's here? Who's there? Who's every damn where? But for those who don't know, allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Jasmine Halliburton, host of the new and improved Running Back show on the Kansas City Sporting Network. And in my first two shows, I've talked to not one, but two former All-Big 12 freshman team members in volleyball's Shaylee Myers and soccer's Jasmine Brown. And in this past episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Jasmine. I recapped all the Wildcat dubs the past week and talked about the huge K-State crazy weekend ahead. But first, in the recap, we have the start of the Jason Mansfield era for K-State volleyball, ladies and gentlemen. The Cats went up to Oregon for the Hotel Vance Rose City Showdown and started taking butt and kicking names. They dropped the first set against the host team, Portland State, and then won nine straight sets to go undefeated and crowned tournament champions. Now talk about handling your business. Beating Portland State in four sets, then the ladies got the broomsticks out with sweeps against San Diego. State and California State Fullerton. That's how you dominate. Aaliyah Carter doing Aaliyah Carter things. She led the team with 25 total kills in the three-game stretch. Followed by Shaylee Myers with 24. Wisconsin transfer Liz Gregorski with 23. One of the top middle blockers in the Big 12, Sydney Bolding, recorded 16 blocks. Oregon State transfer Izzy Shulsheski with 103 assists. Talk about a wild number. And top-rated libero Mac Morris with 42 digs. Now leaving the court and to the soccer field, don't look now. The K-State soccer undefeated so far on the season, posting a two wins, two draws record. Jasmine Brown called this season their revenge tour, and it started with a draw against number 18th ranked Northwestern to start the season and beating the breaks off UTSA 2-0 this week. Two teams that got the best of the Cats last year. And in that butt whooping to UTSA, it was the freshman show scoring two goals in 37 seconds. Freshman Joe Sees got her second goal of the season on a rebound off the UTSA goalkeeper. And then freshman Morgan Strutman was strutting on him, you feel me? Hit a couple moves at the top of the box, turned, put her foot through the ball from 27 yards out and over the outstretched hands of the keeper for her first goal of the season. The week ended with a 0-0 draw versus Creighton, where K-State had a lot of chances, but nothing found the back of the net. But goalkeeper Murphy Sheaf added another clean sheet to her pocketbook as she has only allowed one goal in four games. The Wildcats get back-to-back weeks of players with Big 12 honors. Last week, Jasmine Brown got co-defender of the week. This week, Joe Sees gets the freshman of the week title, and Murphy Sheaf gets goalkeeper of the week. And in the words of Coach Tang, What's next? K-State soccer kicks off this super exciting weekend on a Thursday when they head to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. You can watch that game on the SEC Network at 7 p.m. Then volleyball get their home opener in the brand spanking new Morgan Family Arena. That game versus Omaha will be at 6.30 Friday night. And if you want to go to the ribbon cutting, that will be at 3 p.m. Then the Big 12 champs are back in the mother-loving building, baby, taking on SEMO on Saturday at the Bill with kickoff at 6 p.m. And then the fun just don't stop. On Sunday, we got a doubleheader against an old foe. Volleyball faces off against Nebraska at home at 4 p.m. in their brand-new arena. And then soccer plays Nebraska at 8 p.m. at home. Y'all can literally leave Morgan Family Arena, then go right next door to Boozer Family Park. Now y'all need to find out who was in charge of scheduling this weekend and buy them a drink because this is going to be fun. I am so jealous of everyone who gets to be in the happiest place on earth because I'll be stuck 
in Amarillo, Texas. But nonetheless, I want to live vicariously through all of you. Y'all can hit me up on Twitter at Jasmine3H, that is J-A-Z-S-M-I-N, the number three, and then H to rub it in my face on how much fun y'all are having. But for real though, I know y'all are going to have Manhattan rocking. Shout out to the Bosco boys. Keep an eye out for my show, Run It Back, on the Kansas City Sporting Network every week. This is Jasmine Halliburton signing out. Peace and go Cats. Boom! Okay. I know it's a long one. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if all of the... Uh, I don't know if all of the uh, whip rounds are going to be this long, pushing 90 minutes, but lots of good stuff in there. I want to thank everyone once again for coming on. We had Mason Voth of On3 and K-State Online. We had Mitch Fortner of The Game, and you're going to be hearing the first down Pharaoh inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium on PA all season. We got Sam Herder of FCS Hero giving us our SEMO primer. My chat with Parker, the good Dr. Parker Fleming of, gosh, so many things, Bet USA, Sumner Sports, all sorts of great stuff, and the Purple Theory podcast. We also had the great... Jasmine, oh man, how good is she? Make sure you're checking Run It Back with Jasmine on the KC Sports Network. Uh, And yeah, it was a long one, probably a little bit more from me than you guys wanted to hear. I understand, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy the entire Blitz Month. I hope you enjoyed the entire build-up to the game. Big game tomorrow. Lots of big games this weekend with K-State Volleyball and Soccer as well. Um, But that's all we have. Remember to check out charliehustle.com. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company, the tap room when you're in Manhattan. Uh, So, yeah, that's all we have, folks. Uh, So, again, for all of our special guests, uh, for all the boneheads, for all the wildcats all across the world, and my dog Chauncey, the best dog, we love you guys, and go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats.
Network.